start again with us recording? <laughs> Why I not? reckon it'll work better that way. <laughs> All right. Sure. Uh, not so certain about that. I'm skeptical of that. But anyway, uh, good evening. You are listening to the Vienna podcast. Uh, I'm Craig, and today is March the 8th. Joining me this evening, we have Roman. Kiora. And Mark. Hey. And a uh, special guest, uh, Daniel from the committee, joining us again. Hey, yo. How you doing? What, what was that? Hey, yo. How do you spell that? <laughs> hey, oh. Like a hoy, ahoy. <laughs> oh, hey, all. Right. Okay. That's, 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 that's young person speak, obviously. <laughs> Probably is. <laughs> Hello, fellow young people. <laughs> We're hitting down with the, uh, <laughs> the, with the youth. <laughs> that's it we know daniel's birthday is coming up i'm gonna buy him a skateboard and a special back to front baseball cap yeah <laughs> and the most important day of the year nothing ages you more nothing ages you more than wearing a backwards <laughs> baseball cap yeah. steve bashimi uh, knows this but he does it anyway anyway so last night everybody filled in their um official documents from the government Mm-hmm. Recording, recording their presence at a particular place because we had the census. What were we going to say about the census? I did it on Sunday. Is that okay? Yeah, I did mine <laughs> I also did. early. I I did mine at the uh, you know at a deadline, <laughs> last possible moment. <laughs> I didn't really realize that the seventh was. Oh, you have to do it on the seventh. I think this is the first time I've actually. Done well, you don't have to do it on the seventh. You have to have it filled. You have to fill it in as if you were filling it in on the seventh. Okay, I did not know so that. You so you can. Yeah, it's done now. Earlier. I right. panicked on 30 hours of uh, no sleep. <laughs> okay. Now, I filled in mine last week, and um, Susan was quite annoyed because once you filled it in and submitted it, you can't actually go back and look at the answers. So she does like looking at the census questions and, and pondering them, but um, I took that pleasure away from her, unfortunately. <gasps> you didn't even let her write, write, write her own questions or write her own answers. Did well, I did. The, I did the dwelling one. Um, I did the dwelling one in my my own um, answers, and she had to do her own. Um, but yeah, took a bit of the pleasure out of it. But it wasn't very long. I thought yeah, no. not, they're actually not asking that many questions. Mm-hmm. But the important one was about the religion, and hopefully, we all answered no religion. I did. Well, oh, yes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I put no we, religion. We know that you've been splitting your time uh, joining uh, uh, a religion, Daniel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I was a bit confused. A bit Should I put it down or not? <laughs> Were you just tempted to put down Jedi like, you know, a lot of the other numpties? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never. I don't think I've ever put down Jedi, actually. No. Just, just... So the Jedi option started back in 2001. It did, yes. didn't seem to me that it was that long ago, but yeah, it's um, there were apparently 53,000 people in 2001 who said that their religion was Jedi, and then and then the uh, statistics department said that it was noted, but it wouldn't be officially counted because they obviously thought it was a joke, and then uh, which it was obviously, <laughs> um, or maybe it wasn't, maybe there are devotees of uh, the Jedi religion in New Zealand, all 53,000 of them. Possibly. But apparently, by by the following census, it had dropped to around about twenty thousand. So, um, yeah, it kind of makes you think that uh, maybe uh, thirty three thousand people were doing it just for a laugh. 
I, I, wonder- I think 50,000 people were doing it just for a laugh, actually. But um, 20,000 people persisted with that joke, whereas the others chickened out after one census. But I also wonder if, you know, between the movies and all these new series, um, how many people are going to be in on the joke this year? Are, they gonna, are we going to start seeing Mandalorians? Maybe, maybe it's just too big now. Maybe, you know, now Star Wars has been Disneyified. People will just think it's a bit passe and we'll see a drop in the number of Jedi. <laughs> but I will say um, kudos to the humanist. Saw a really cool poster um, down in Petoni off of Jackson Street. Uh, if you're mm. following the Facebook page, it was the one that's saying, you know, choose no, you know, to keep religion out of politics. Um, and that was my picture that I took on my phone. Mm. It was really cool to see it. Oh, very nice. Very nice. And so I wonder when we find out the results. Uh, a long while. They they don't process these things quickly. There's a whole bunch of stuff, I think, at first to do with people that haven't filled it in and chasing them up as well as collating. And then I think there's a whole bunch of clever stats around filling in gaps and inferring things and, you know, figuring out the best way of making sure it's a consistent decent data set so these things normally take a while i think there are probably certain parts of it they focus on sooner than other parts um there's probably stuff that's quite important for government policy and things like the no religion part i imagine a a less of a rush for them so the results of that part will likely come out a bit later Mm. Mm. look forward to that day when we see that the number of religious people in new zealand has fallen once again yeah, so I, I, I went to a talk from um, Joseph Bulbulia. Uh, oh, no, it wasn't Joseph, actually. It was, I think it was people that were allied with Joseph, um, who they track this kind of thing and try to track it year on year with um, things like the um, the Dunedin, was it the, the values and whatever it is study, um, and with the census data and, and tracking it all together, what what they were saying was really interesting was that that drop in religiosity has been pretty much 1% every year for the last, I think it's 20 years or something, but it, it's more linear than it has any right to be. It seems to be a very consistent drop. And there are obviously there are ups and downs in that. So um, one of the things that's buoying religion and especially lifting up certain parts of Christianity is immigration, that uh, the Catholic Church, for example, is losing adherence, but it's also gaining immigrant adherence that helps to keep its numbers up. Um, And there's a difference when you look at ages. So it tends to be that when people are younger, they tend to fall out of religion. And there's a lot more people deconverting than converting. But those lines basically of people converting into and out of religion, they cross at one point and they cross somewhere, I think, in the uh, early 70s. So when you get to your 70s, it gets to the point where you're more likely to be converting into a religion than converting out of a religion. um, but because for most of the the ages that, that you're more likely to drop out of a religion, it means New Zealand is getting more irreligious over time. The old religious people are dying off. Yeah. I mean, you know, from your 70s to your death isn't much. So I guess people, you know, if they do convert in, they haven't converted in for very long. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of it's nice. I, you know, I, I like I like how secular. New Zealand is. I'm I'm gonna really enjoy it when that no religion category gets to a clear 50%, because at the moment you can infer we're at around 50% if you count the no religion 
and the Jedi and the flying spaghetti monster and a portion of the prefer not to says. And once you have to do kind of all that inference, then it looks like we're about half or a bit more. But, you know, once we don't even have to worry about the others, once we can say over 50 percent have explicitly said they have no religion. I think that's a point where a lot of us probably need to go and talk to MPs quite forcefully about the fact that religious privilege is still basically throughout our laws. Um, and, you know, we're, we're a lot better than a lot of countries, but we're certainly not squeaky clean when it comes to giving religion favors and help that other groups don't get. And that doesn't seem right in a country where most of us don't believe. Hmm. Speaking of things with religious overtones, there was a bit of a fracas at the Avondale uh, Library recently where there was a a drag story time and Mm -hmm. the police had to be called. So, yeah, what was that all about? Yeah, so Wednesday, um, March 1st, you know, the Avondale Library actually had to close because for the rest of the day because the protesters who attended to make a fool of themselves, you know, upset the staff and were the ones actually scaring the children, not the drag queens. Um, and by protest, it looks like maybe three or four people actually entered the library. So not a big demonstration. But, you know, when you have adults who are screaming and being angry, um, it's a bit much for kids. And yeah. of course, if they're saying, you know, if they're bringing that QAnon rhetoric that, you know, oh, drag queens and gay people are groomers, you know, it's not a safe place for the um, storytellers either. Now, the in-person protest was organized by a man named Harry Lawrence Ray Jones. And according to a Twitter user named Paparoa, he is a far-right new conservative supporter and a member of a far-right group called Right Minds. Um, Kevin Morgan and Tirangi Kafiria Kamara, who are also Twitter users, and I think they're sort of, you know, they profile the right and what's happened with Freedom Village in the aftermath of the parliament, um, They note that Jones is also a fundamentalist Christian who is active on Telegram under the username Brava, Bravo Zulu 17, and is a really central figure in spreading disinformation in that platform. By March 3rd, we saw a bit of a whiplash piece by uh, Jonathan Ayling, and some of our listeners may be familiar with his name. He is part of what Mark likes to call the free speech onion, (laughs) Um, but it's it's really called this free speech union. Um, and he was equivocating the advocate, the actions of the demonstrators who were against the drag story time as equivalent to those of Rainbow Community members who were demanding the defunding of Bethlehem College because that college was uh, promoting traditional marriage. And he sort of felt that, you know, both were kind of trying to control what people were, what information people were getting and what people were exposing their children to. <laughs> now, promoting traditional marriage, presumably, is um, it's their euphemism for what they're doing, which is anti-gay marriage, right? That That's the flip side of it. When you promoting um, traditional marriage, it's just promoting marriage between a man and a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The usual kind of outdated ideas. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And Ailing's argument was that, you know, oh, trying to play sort of a the door swings both ways. If you don't like libraries having drag queen story times, then maybe at that point you can make an argument that we shouldn't allow state integrated schools to teach traditional views on marriage. And it's like they're not the same at all. These story times are opt in. You don't have to go to the library. You know, it's only for maybe an hour every now, you know, every few months if that, and they're positive stories, you know, affirming stories about kindness and inclusion. 
Whereas teaching traditional marriage exclusively in a Christian school context can actually contribute negatively to uh, the mental health of our Tamariki orangutani. And, and uh, presumably that it, his claim that schools are actually teaching traditional marriage is only related to this Bethlehem College thing, isn't it? It's not like that uh, traditional marriage is being taught as a subject. There's lots of Christian schools, um, exclusively Christian schools, and they're private, you know, we say private schools, but they may receive state funding, and there are some private schools that are operated. Most of them are called state integrated schools, and Mm -hmm. and the reason for this is they used to be private religious schools. They used to be funded by religion, but with the decline of religion in New Zealand, I think maybe back in the 60s or 70s, it turns out that these schools could no longer fund themselves. And so what ended up happening is the government came in and said, well, what about we majorly fund you? We give you a whole bunch of money, but you can still keep your bigoted, unscientific ideas and teach a lot of the curriculum you already teach, which yet another travesty in this country that our taxpayer money goes to schools that are teaching anti-science rhetoric. And it's just so disappointing that this is still happening in the 21st century. Yeah. When you mm. think about, you know, where, you know, people are afraid of Maturanga Maori, but anti-science rhetoric is being funded currently by the state. <laughs> so I was at a meeting on Monday evening run by the humanists in Wellington, um, where something about this came up. We were having a talk with someone about free speech. And at some point, this drag story was brought up. And one of the members of the audience asked a question um, based on the fact that they'd heard a rumor that somewhere in New Zealand, drag queens were teaching young children how to do strip teases. Um, now, I've looked online because this sounds quite fantastical and unlikely to be true. I'm not saying it's not happening. It seems very unlikely just on the face of it. And I can find absolutely zero evidence of this online. Um, I just sounds like one of those conservative rumors to scare people into donating money to whatever conservative organization is using this. But yeah, if anybody hears about that um, and has any evidence, I'd love to see it. But it, it looks like it's just another one of those ridiculous things that just has no evidence and uh, no basis in fact. And I believe sort of, you know, just a few di- couple of days ago, another, um, um, drag queen story time occurred in Tauranga. And that, you know, despite the online controversy, that kind of went by without the same controversy. So it's this is this is actually this has happened before. I think I wrote a little bit about it um, mid last year when we had a sort of spate of um, anti LGBTQ crimes. Um, I think there was the potential arson in Tauranga of the Rainbow Youth building. And then there was somebody um, at the Pink House got um, graffitied. And of course, always, whenever a drag queen story time comes up, there's lots of protests at the library, on the city council website. So one of the things I think skeptics can do when, even if you're not going to attend the drag queen story time, get into that social media page, send some positive messages, be supportive. And, you know, if people are being abusive, report them, report the posts and also attend drag queen story time. If you'd like, you know, bring your kids. (laughs) They're not, you know, queer story time isn't going to make you gay. I saw that um, that piece that Jonathan Ayling wrote in uh, Stuff. It makes me wonder what how, how does he get this platform of being able to write uh, for Stuff? Well, you see that his angle is trying to be, you know, 
he tries to play a moderate angle and he but he mm. goes about it in a very unfair way and those sort of articles are interesting while at the same time truly appealing to right-wing yeah. christian yeah. and we we have to keep in mind when when Jonathan Ayling does his defense of free speech, running the free speech onion and, and all this kind of thing, that behind it all appears to be the fact that he is an evangelical Christian and he appears to be trying to protect Christians' right to discriminate against others, to talk about their views on homosexuality and it being a sin where people are going to end up with an eternity in hellfire. And I've read articles that he's written for Christian magazines. I've watched him being interviewed on Christian television. And when he's with his own crowd, what he's talking about is very much protecting Christians' ability to be bigoted, to be discriminatory, um, to push their conservative views. That's what he's protecting. I, I think him protecting drag queen's ability to read stories in a library that's not his end goal this is just tangential this is the bitter pill that he will have to swallow in order to make sure that his fellow christians are able to carry on being bigoted and being horrible to others um and i you know i, I think that's the rod that he's made for his back and he just he has to deal with it but that's not you know he, I don't think he really believes in free speech uh, for everybody. I think he just has to run with that in order to get the free speech that he wants for his clan. Mm. And David Ferrier wrote um, a pretty significant piece, I think, in between everything that was happening with the rise last year. And he focused on Bethlehem College because he had attended that school and he spoke quite, you know, and interviewed former students about the issues that he faced there. So, Daniel, I understand that you've been participating in a group online. You want to tell us about that? Yes. But where do I begin? The beginning? At the beginning. <laughs> At the beginning. Yes, that's a very yes. good place to start. All right. Fair enough. So, early Jan, I received a spam message in my Facebook messages. I was on holiday at the time and I wondered who the hell was this page? How did they directly send me a message? But I soon just ignored it like I do with most spam. Um, later, my mum received a message and she was worried it was a hacker. So I said, send over the message, send a screenshot. And surely enough, it was it was the same, same people. I said, not to worry, just ignore it. And then our committee started getting uh, messages and reporting on that. I got one. Katrina um, got one. Katrina got one. I didn't get one. I felt really left out. Maybe my ah. Facebook page is quite explicitly not going to be responsive to it. <laughs> uh, so I, I saw that there were very similar messages. They invite you to a meeting. Usually was the times between 8 p.m. to 9.30 or the option of 10 p.m. to 11.30 and they came from all different pages, which intrigued me a bit. So I started researching and investigating. I asked people to give example screenshots. And so that's when I started to make a list. I collected all the pages that I could find and tried to understand and see if I could figure out any patterns. And then eventually I found some patterns that allowed me to search what to search for. And then I found more pages and I keep building up this list. And I got about to 100, 109 pages at the moment. And there were about 66% were created this year. 32% were known to have spammed 
over 350 likes in total. 350 likes, 350,000? Sorry, 350,000 likes. And when Mm. you say that 30-odd percent of them had been known to spam, I I meant to ask you the other day, how did you know that they'd been known to spam? Because you had examples from people? Yes. So this is from people who've sent in their messages, and I clicked clicked through different different places, Facebook, um, Reddit, et cetera. And I also looked on the pages themselves for the ones that I searched for and saw that people were complaining that, yes, they've had um, been messaged and, yeah, been scammed. So this is so this is all Facebook pages, different pages with different names that have been made yes. by the same religious group. So one religious group, basically astroturfing there, they're making like a, a fake grassroots movement of look at how many pages we've got. But actually, it's just it looks to be what just a few people behind it, like a, a tight knit organization that are trying to make themselves look big and wide. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it does seem. Yeah, it does seem like that. And so I started to research the pages and more, and um, and that's when Stuff put out an article, and they strongly argued that there were Eastern Lightning, which was interesting. I tried to prove that this was correct, and so I, I looked through the pages and noticed that they were using Eastern Lightning material, that they have their own books that only they use. Eastern Lightning also is called the Church of the Mighty God. They are a a Catholic church that believes that Jesus has returned to earth as a Chinese woman. A Catholic church? I don't think they're a Catholic church. They're a Christian church. Sorry. (laughs) You're correct. Yes. A a Christian church. And the Chinese media uh, lists them as the, the nation's most dangerous cult. So I tried to look and see if they were an actual cult. Couldn't find... A strong amount of evidence that was the case. Oh, if um, you want it, I think I can do for you what it seems to be like other cult lists do. I can just make a website and, you know, put their name on it and say, is a cult. Um, and you can just reference that because I, you <laughs> know, I don't think there's an international uh, cult listing association that decides who's a cult. I think mm-hmm. people's opinions just get slapped up online. And I think generally um, for cults, you're, you're looking at a high control religious group that, you know, tries to take control of people's lives, their personal lives and their finances and all this kind of thing. And uh, I I think from everything I've seen about this group, I'm yeah. happy to call them a cult. Cl- Very happy to call them a cult. cult. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, they de- definitely tick a lot of boxes. I just wasn't sure if enough boxes were ticked for me personally to class them as a cult. So, yeah, they definitely have shown unethical behavior, at least in the, in the New Zealand branch. Them creating fake pages and and spamming people. Uh, so I thought, why not go deeper down the rabbit hole? And so I um, load up an old alias of mine. I've used in a few <laughs> online psychic stings, a fake Facebook account of mine, who's a um, a right. So it, we t- we talked about this earlier, and you didn't want to mention the name, and and now I see that because you've used it for psychic stings in the past, that's a good reason to keep it secret. But uh, um, so it, it is a it is a uh, a female um, personality, isn't it? So yes, yes, uh, a widow um, who who enjoys uh, some knitting and and gardening, and yes. So I, I left a a comment on one of the on. One of the known spamming pages, I left an amen, and then instantly <laughs> I got a private message and a like to that comment. 
the message was to invite me to one of their meetings. It's, I, wa- I, I wonder if it actually mattered what you said. Was it just the fact that you responded? I don't think or it mattered. Was, no. it, was it an army in the No, it, no because I... Because I've, um, someone, I, I noticed a review from someone and they said in their comment, only those who rejoice in the dark Lord Satan will like this comment. And of course, they instantly liked that comment and, and, and then posted a reply. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I thought that it was, was just funny. enough to interact with them as, uh, as enough to get you started. Right. Yes. So, yeah, it seems they have. Uh, bots watching their pages and instantly message you if you do reply to any of their posts. Sorry. So do you think this is actually all bot driven? It's not actually human people sitting there monitoring the responses? A bit of both. I think they use bots to help, but I think mm. they yeah, they they do have a lot of people behind the bots and then yeah, they actually do the next part. So yeah, I replied back and said the 10 p.m. slot would be would be best. Um, so I, I soon got greeted by Amanda, who described herself as an Italian Christian living in New Zealand for two two years, and want to help friends get closer to God. So she asked me, "Can we be friends?" So I, I said, "Yep, sure." And then later on, she invited me to the um, 10 o'clock meeting. I joined the call. We had Henry John, who who introduced introduced himself from Singapore, who now lives in Christchurch and would rather be called Henry Brother. He uh, wrote comments in the chat and um, talked about various topics on the Bible. He would ask multi-choice questions with obvious answers, which everyone basically got everything right, or at least they copied everyone else. Mm. Um, so is, is this actually a, a voice chat or a uh, yes. or just a text chat? This, oh, is, right, this okay. was a call through... Facebook right. Messenger. Mm-hmm. The, the the call was full of admin accounts that had no interaction, just mm. to, I guess, be filling. Yeah. yeah. So do you think it was actually a real person that was doing this and not just a recording? Yes, it was definitely a real, real oh, person. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that yeah, the, the people who do the actual talking seem to be real people. But I do question how many fake filler accounts there are. It makes you wonder the people that are doing the uh, the sermonizing whether or not they are aware of the scam nature of this and and how how many sort of bots and and fake accounts that are involved with this and I guess whether they see it as this is just a, a means to a, a greater good. I don't wonder um, because. <laughs> I have been one of those fake accounts by now. It's been, what, a month that we've been doing this, Dan? And um, I I will write about this for the newsletter in a couple of weeks' time, but I have already been employed as a filler to try and make the level one group look busier than it was. So I have been, I've gone through level one and level two to the, the, top, which is level three, as far as we can tell. And then I was also introduced back into level one. And I'd only been asked to do it so I could help out with readings. But then they started treating me like I was a new person and basically prompting me to answer the multi-choice questions. And so I just went along with it and I, I pretended I was new. And then at the end, I brought this up and said, look, 
I'm uncomfortable with this. But some people are going to think that I was new because that's how you guys treated me. And after a bit of a discussion, it turned out that, yeah, the people running this are very much aware that this is what's going on. And it's not deceit if it's in the aid of almighty God. If we are helping the religion, if we are helping to spread the message, and if we are saving souls, this kind of thing is okay. It's for the greater good, and the means justify the end. Um, and so, yeah, they're aware, and I've, <laughs> I've done it, and it's weird. <laughs> um, but there's also another reason why we see a lot of fake accounts. If you look through the immigration, um, residency, deportation records from New Zealand and Australia, um, people who've been applying for residency under the grounds uh, or, or for refugee status under the grounds of religious persecution from the Chinese, if they are members from Eastern Lightning, a lot one of the reasons that they give is that, hey, we don't want to be persecuted. We don't want our phones tapped. We don't want to be followed on social media. We, we don't want our families to be um, harassed in China. Right. So there's this element to it. Um, you know, yes, Mar Mark is saying, yeah, they're definitely a cult. They're dangerous. But we do have a religious persecution side. You know, Chinese media is quite, you know, they don't hesitate to saying, yep, we've arrested, you know, 10, 20, 100 followers of Eastern Lightning. Um, they're going to work rehabilitation camps and they go for several years. And this is a weird thing we see with Chinese religious groups who are not approved by the government. Um, yes, they are suppressed and yes, they are oppressed and yes, they are treated badly. But it seems to be a generally done thing for these groups to then use that as advertising material to look for sympathy, to basically embellish, not maybe not to totally lie, but to very much embellish what's going on with them in order to try and get more people to join and more people to believe in their plight and help them. Falun Gong, uh, otherwise known as Falun Dafa, they're, you know, they're one that are very well known for this. And I remember being handed a, a leaflet um, somebody had picked up at the train station at the beginning of the pandemic where Falun Gong had been very quick to produce a COVID-19 pamphlet that was full of nonsense misinformation, but the aim of it was basically to make the Chinese Communist Party look bad. That's what they were doing it for was, look, the CCP, they're responsible for the virus and it's man-made and they're evil, and that's what they're doing. And they didn't care about the truth. What they cared about was that their mortal enemy is the CCP, and it's just a big fight. And it seems to be similar with this. I mean, Dan, one of the nights, so I joined after you'd done one or two nights, I think, and eventually we so, were merged into the same Facebook group. And we had one night where they were sharing images of the abuse that the police and the government had put them through. Um, and every yeah. one of those images came from one of their movies that they had made. I mean, like a couple of them, it was so blatantly obvious that they were promotional posters for Almighty God movies that they had made in order to try and garner sympathy. It, it's a really weird symbiosis, I think. I think some may have been real, but yeah, there was a few that was like, I recognize that because I was, I did watch a piece of that and yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. So are these, are these not telling. 
Are these movies are real events or is this all play acting? I think it's all play acting. Um, there's a massive diaspora of Eastern Lightning members who have left China. And again, as I said, we have these immigration records of, you know, families. It's whole family units, despite the common present rep- representation that it's uneducated rural women who have been, you know, in return for getting some literacy skills have been brainwashed into joining the cult. And that might be the case for, you know, you know, a not insignificant number, but largely we're seeing large family units who've been part of this group forever. They're able to afford a child to come over and study overseas. And then they're trying to bring the whole family over. Mm. Um, it's Australia, it's New Zealand, but there's also some pretty, a big community in South Korea. And that's why when you look at the videos online, really good production values, very much like an idle um, factory in many mm-hmm. ways. You know, you have music videos, you, ha- you do have these films. So presumably there's a, a fairly big membership in Taiwan as well. I, I think for me, two of my group leaders have been from Taiwan, and I think one might have been directly from China. But I imagine Taiwan is kind of a, a halfway house safe haven for Chinese members of this church, that if they can get to Taiwan, obviously they're moving to a very similar culture, um, but it's somewhere where they can openly practice their religion, whereas in China they can't. Mm. Mm. And um, from the immigration records in New Zealand, it seems that, you know, members have been here since at least 2013, if not earlier. And I'd say definitely they've been in New Zealand earlier and they have been practicing and they were using, you know, Google, Google Hangout or Google Plus, whatever it was um, that was whatever Google app was popular back in the early 2010s. Oh, oh it could have been Meet or Hangouts or, yeah, so many Google iterations Plus. of Google's yeah. thing. Yeah. So it's mm. interesting that, you know, what is motivating the use of Facebook Messenger in this iteration of promotion. And it seems to be working. I mean, it you know, it, it really is something where, Dan, we, we're seeing quite a few people in the groups, right? I mean, yeah. you know, we're, we're talking about it being padded by admins and, and other people, but there are real members there. It's definitely, it's not just the two of us undercover. Um, there are, there are real members mm-hmm. who scarily we're getting to the point now where they're starting to run the meetings. And this is, unnerving me they're trying to get the ball rolling so that they can step back and just leave it to be kind of a self-perpetuating thing well we know Mm. that there's members you know there is a we have in new zealand incorporated societies register the church of almighty god new zealand is also a charity a registered charity so we can pull up these documents and particularly for the incorporated society they were able to find about five or eight members who could sign off and say yes we are an incorporated society so uh, what I don't understand is what are they trying to achieve by just randomly spamming people in New Zealand and trying to get them to join their religion? How it's does this it help num- them? It's, it's like it's, a numbers game. It's like with MLMs. You just spam as many people as you mm, can. But, but do you, you think get they're 1%. actually... You get yeah, one but person. You, right. But do you think they're actually trying to then actually scam the people who join? I haven't seen any evidence of that. They haven't in their incorporated society rules. There is a section about membership and donation. And um, one of it says new members don't need to. You shouldn't give money if it's going to cause conflict in your family. But that's, you know, if you want the tithe, they're not going to turn you away. There's lots of Mm -hmm. accusations, particularly from Christian ministry missionaries in China that say, hey, you know, this church is both bribing other Protestant secret house churches so how churches that are held in people's homes to try to bribe them to give your members to us which mm. why would you do that if you're not expecting all this money from your members um but uh, at, 
you know, they're bribing people, but apparently they're also like, you know, you know, getting, you know, extorting money. I've been surprised that they have not asked me for any money at any point. We'd noticed they talked about this in a previous meeting. They were saying that they do not ask new members for donations for the first year. In fact, they said they wouldn't even accept that money mm. if, if they tried. Mm. I'm going to test this at some point because, yeah, we, we found this when we got into the level three group and Dan and I were both added to the Facebook chat. The history of that chat's available. So it was great to be able to scroll up and see what had already happened. And that was surprising. This was in the context of when the stuff article came out about the church and um, people were saying, how how can the media be so mean to us when we're just really good? And the two things they brought up was one, somebody said, oh, this is just like Destiny Church, another church doing really good stuff that the media always tried to tear down. And the other thing was about the donations, that they won't accept donations for a year. And yeah, they, they hand back donations when people try to give them money if it's been less than a year. Uh, but that chat was weird. I mean, another thing I found was a passage asking what you do with robbers and thieves and uh, again i think this was the bot but somebody had written a response saying chop their hands off and it had a little love heart emoji next to it because the bot kicks <laughs> in and automatically likes everything that people write in the chats it's just so off and so wrong yeah and apparently if you have a mental illness you cannot be part of eastern lightning yeah, that was weird. You you digging that up about like all the reasons. I'm presumably mental illness means anybody that disagrees with them. I'm guessing, you know, anybody that goes off the rails or starts being mean to them, they're they're gonna say that's a mental illness. It's you know, it's not um rational critique. You've obviously got something wrong with you, or Satan, I'm guessing, would be the other one. Well, it's says hysterical. So, I mean, yeah, no, I think it's actually oh, well, proper mental illness. Um, yeah. Um, so, Bronwyn, having dug into the history of church, how fascinating was it to you? Because to me, I love just how weird it is that it's kind of come out of the underground Chinese Christian churches, that it's like it's kind of been a breeding ground for people making weird claims about their own divinity, right? And, and you know, these aren't the only group that have tried this to claim that one of their members is actually God, which is which is what this group is doing. Yeah, no, it, it was fascinating. And, you know, but, you know, as you point out in your introduction in the newsletter, it's like, it's this gray area. You don't know who to trust. You have the CCP, who obviously have a vested interest in having Eastern Lightning you know, portrayed negatively. Then you have Eastern Lightning being so popular, rural and urban Chinese, you know, families that it's quite, you know, they're quite confronting. And, uh, you know, you have the home churches and other Protestant um, denominations being quite jealous. And I think, you know, you can also have the Christian ministries from overseas contributing to that because, hey, you know, here is a homegrown Chinese religion uh, that is possibly cutting into their profits. And I, I think fr from what I could tell, a lot of this is the fact that they were cut off, the fact that they're underground, the fact that there was a real disconnect from the international Christian churches that, you know, in the in the absence of kind of any guidance and oversight, and I think lots of internal fracturing within China as well, like anything <laughs> could happen. But even back in the 1800s, um, there was this sort of, you know, the three, this was it the three self, you know, the idea that there's these three areas in which China needed to be independent from overseas funds and overseas influence. That's something that, you know, existed well before, you know, the Cultural Revolution and before the CCP came to power. So it's something very inherent in Chinese culture in many ways. So, so what we've ended up with now as of the early 90s is basically this 
this guy called Zhao, who is 20 years older than a woman called um, Yang. And he basically pronounced that she was God. Um, and this is the basis of this religion is they say they're Christian. I, I can only imagine that most Christians would absolutely reject this as compatible with Christianity, but they're basically arguing that this is the second coming of God, that Jesus came 2000 years ago, that now we have a Chinese woman who is the new incarnation of God. But from everything I read, and I'm, I'm really happy that I wasn't going off on a weird tangent and reading odd stuff, that I think you got the same idea, Bronwyn, that this relationship between Zhao and Yang, it, it seems like a really abusive relationship, right? Yeah, well, Zhao has a habit of sleeping with, you know, teenage girls. So before he met Yang in the early 90s, he was sleeping with the daughter, the 15 year old daughter of a church member um, of a church that he was running um, back in the mid 80s. <laughs> OK, because <laughs> uh, honestly, one thing that kind of like made me happy for a few brief seconds was the idea Finally, we have a religion where there's a woman at the top. I mean, a little bit odd that she's saying that she's God. But then as I read more, it's like, oh, no, it's not even a woman at the top. It's a woman being abused and controlled by a horrible older man. Mm -hmm. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> and so do, do they, does oh, he on. rotate through woman? It's like, how long has this woman think, been the incarnation? I, of I think she's been the person who's had the longest run. <laughs> Um, back in the 80s, he was sort of, you know, as he was building up his own influential following up to a thousand members, um, you know, you had this 15 year old girl that he was sleeping with. And then apparently just before he was arrested, when he was on his when he was absconding and in exile, trying to hide from the police, he had a couple of other women who were sort of in a stable that he was um, proselytizing with around China. Um, and then he meets 17-year-old Yang, and she, she allegedly is the one who's still been in the picture for the past 30 or so years. However, once they you know, left China, probably under illegal pretenses to go to move to New York, no one's really seen her. There have been pictures that have been allegedly of her, but she looks quite different. So it's not quite clear if maybe you know, she's had surgery to change her appearance, but there's no way that they'd be able to go back to China. So we don't really know she's still alive, if they're still together. She's not and, really, uh, it's, it's sort of the idea that she, some of the arguments made by scholars is that Yang, as much as she is, she's more of a symbolic figure of the female Christ. It could be anyone who could fill that role. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, if they ever had a falling out or if she died, Zhao would just probably choose someone else. <laughs> and th this is a really interesting thing that um, Dan and I saw is in our level one and two groups, we spend that's a good week and a half of a, like an hour and a half every night in a fellowship meeting on Facebook, being warmed up to the massive reveal that they've got. And that reveal is God has come back and is a Chinese woman. And this, this is like, you know, they're trying to tell you it. ethnicity doesn't matter. God could come back as anything. Don't expect miracles from God because God changes what they do every time. So because God did miracles last time God came to earth, this time there will be no miracles because God does any everything different. Maybe God's a female this time because God likes to change things up a bit. And they really push this. And so we, we spent the whole time building up to... God is back on earth as a Chinese woman. And then we were added to the level three group. And on the level three group, we are down to three times a week from every night, which is a blessed relief. Um, 
And of those three nights, Monday and Wednesday is kind of group fellowship. And then Friday, we listen to the words of Almighty God. But it's not just the words of Almighty God. They suddenly had to shift gear. And it was very obvious when they shifted gear that they were suddenly like, oh, and by the way, God has anointed a brother called Zhao, who when he speaks, you have to assume he is speaking for God as well. And so there was a really quick turnaround of when you hear Zhao's words, this is really God speaking to you through Zhao. So it was almost like another bait and switch on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. But suddenly, yeah, now, now we're told trust Zhao. And so as you found out, Bronwyn, that, you know, I think there's been some questions as to how much of what's coming out from the church these days is actually written by Yang and how much is just Zhao saying these words came from Yang. I'm really interested in that. And certainly from our practical perspective, what we saw was that kind of handover to this is a special brother who we all need to really trust. Yeah. And I think there's been some talk. I've been reading some of the commentaries and people, and there has been some notes that Yang um, now, you know, once Yang was, identified as God, they changed their pronouns to he. So in many ways, as much as it's the female Christ, still using masculine identifiers. Yes, no, absolutely. That's the case. Like everything running up to the big reveal was he. Sometimes it was with a capital H, which kind of I could see. And, you know, having cheated and looked on Wikipedia before they did the big reveal, I was already ready for it. Um, But sometimes they would lowercase h. So it was okay. They're not even going for consistency here. They're not going to claim, oh, it's a she. And then after we got to the point where we were told it was a woman, they do still use he. They're still just using he and him instead of she. That was quite surprising. I figured they'd switch at the point where they told us. I thought it was just a way of easing Christians in because the people they're after mainly are Christians. They're looking for existing Christians who they can move across to their version of the religion rather than looking for atheists or other people. And this is part of the this is part of the tensions that they have in China. They're not interested in converting atheists. You know, it's it they notoriously had to convert anyway. Well, I mean, they're not going to waste their time. They they really want Christians. And that's why they're sort of, it's not so much about their beliefs, even it's, they are, they do have some anti-government beliefs and that's what the CCP cares about. But by and large, CCP is, anno- you know, annoyed is, I guess, an understatement. It's about the instability that Eastern Lightning has for Chinese culture, because they're starting a lot of turf wars with all these other home churches, because they're poaching the other church's members. And that's the problem They're you know, it's causing a lot of upset. So, in turn, the CCP is sort of, you know, hanging out with all these other Protestant groups because they know the Protestant groups hate Eastern Lightning and uh, will do the dirty work for them in many ways, you know, by reporting them or turning them in. And Dan, you you had a read through that book, the warning book that they'd made about people who uh, might think about leaving the religion or rejecting the word of God. Yeah, I had a quick quick look at some of that it was it was called the typical examples of punishment for resisting almighty god mm-hmm. and I, I looked at some of the examples and it's pretty nasty stuff really really nasty stuff is that they they give many examples of people suffering and sometimes in disgusting details and then usually dying because they went against god 
by which we mean almighty God or, or Yang rather than the normal Christian God. But yeah, it's yeah. it's organized by Chinese province. And a lot of what we see from this group is it's it's very much geared around China still. And I I don't want to give them hints on how to run their religion, but I don't think it's going to translate well to other countries when they're still so focused on China. I don't think it, you know, most people in New Zealand know much about Chinese culture or even probably know what the CCP is. So they're going to have to change their gear if they want to become successful. I hope they don't listen to this bit of the podcast and take notes because I would be very disappointed to think that I'd help them in any material way. So I can read out an example. Go on. Let's give it a go. Um, so is this a content warning example? Yes, this is very... Screamish people yeah, skip so, forward two minutes? Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> While crossing an intersection, Zhao was struck down by a heavy truck and then another heavy truck ran over her at full speed and crushed Jeez. her to a bloody pulp. Wow. Her legs were separated from her body and her <laughs> feet flew to the roadside and her eyeballs were squeezed out. The scene was horrible and no one could identify her. Oh, shit. Finally, it was some sisters who were going home from the meeting who recognized Zhao from the bag and bicycle lying beside her corpse. Zhao died without a full corpse. And this fully proved that the almighty God is the true God. This devil that resisted the true God finally suffered the curse. Huh. There we go. Yeah. And there's there's a bunch of them um, organized by um, Chinese region. So the book is kind of in chapters and each chapter is a different region in China. And then a list of church elders and leaders who resisted or people that came to believe in almighty God, but then quit afterwards. And it again, it doesn't translate well. I mean, I don't think many Westerners are going to want to read in gory detail about Chinese people having misfortune like throat cancer and starving to death and other things that I've read in that book. It's, it's horrible. And it's not even representative, right? It's cherry picking, even if they're all true, which I have a hard time believing. If you've got like a country of a billion people and you've got an active church that's trying to convert tens of millions of them, of course, some of them are going to have gruesome deaths after they've rejected the church. It's just a numbers game. This isn't indicative of almighty God striking people down with disease. It's hard I'd, to I'd, prove if any of them are real because they're just using uh, yeah. first names. I'd put it in the category of things that probably didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and the, the flip side of this with illness um, that Dan and I heard just two nights ago um, is we had a sermon all about illness and how illness is actually a blessing. It's it's not something bad. We should see it as a positive thing and that it doesn't matter if we get ill. It doesn't even matter if we are diagnosed with a terminal illness, because if God doesn't want us to die, the terminal illness is not going to kill us. And so we're fine. And yeah, sure, we might want to take medications as well. But the main thing to understand is that it's God that's going to be looking after us as long as we're on side with God. And of course, this is the old thing that religions normally use of, you know, we're, we're telling you this works. And if it doesn't work, it's because you didn't believe enough. It's <laughs> not because of us. It's because of you. And I always hate that one. I have, I have to be pedantic here. How can it be a terminal illness if it actually doesn't kill you? 
Well, because doctors say it's terminal, right? But God is almighty. Oh, I see. God right. is okay. all powerful. Just right. because humans say it's terminal doesn't mean that God can't keep you alive because God needs you for something. God right. has a plan for you. Spontaneous remission, all that sort of stuff, right? But at the okay. same time, not only might it be that you don't believe enough if the terminal illness takes you, it might also be that God just didn't need you anymore. If you're not part of God's plan, <laughs> if you're still a proper believer, but God's used you for everything he needs, maybe it's just your time to go. Well, he, you're more valuable to him in heaven than you are on earth. I, I don't know about that. I, I mean, you know, there's a lot of active recruitment going. Presumably they need people on earth at the moment. So one part of this that I don't want to get addicted to, but is really nice is the love bombing. It's nice to be able to <laughs> chat with people. It's nice to have friends, even if they're just pretending to be your friend. I think, I think Mark, maybe you just need a cuddle. Yeah, Mark, that's yeah, like, you know, damning. Do. Mark, that's damning of skeptics in the pub. But long, meaningful conversations about whether I'm eating enough or drinking enough warm water, you know, knowing that someone's caring for me. It, it, I can see how this would work for a lot of people. I can see how this little bit of positive pressure could make a huge difference, especially to somebody that's got like a busy home life. Maybe things aren't going that well at work. And suddenly they've got someone who wants to talk with them all the time on Facebook and ask them about their life and tell them that they're special and that they're being saved. I mean, I'm having experienced it for the first time. I'm not surprised that it works really well. And I, I might find myself being a junkie. I think I'm going to go and look for another religion when I finish with this one that does love bombing as well and, and see if I can find another group to love me. Mark Honey Church, next pastor at Arise Church. <laughs> <laughs> no, Arise, when I first went to Arise in 2005, their version of love bombing just creeped me the hell out. I was like from the first handshake and eye contact that I got, I was like, what the hell is this church? Because my wife was going there at the time. So I went along to see what was going on. And yeah, it, the wrong type of love bombing for me, Arise is not my type. <laughs> Obviously, you're going to need a particularly fine-tuned level of love bombing for it to be acceptable to you. I think I'm going to try um, Shincheonji, the Korean cult next, see if they do love bombing still. They've been known to do it in the past. So maybe I can, I can get my feels from them. Because mm. Bronwyn, you and I, when when we first heard about these messages um, in the Skeptics Committee chat, I think both of us very quickly jumped to the conclusion that it was Shinjiangi because this is their mo. And I was quite surprised to find out that it wasn't. Yeah, same. Well, at the same time, Shinjiangi was also in the news quite recently. Mm. Quite recently, it had been. That. Yeah, just I think November or December, they'd mm -hmm. been in the news for ramping up their stuff. Yeah, so, so a little bit surprising to find yeah. it was it was a whole new religion that I'd never heard of before. Mm. Oh, so something, Bromin, that you might be able to help me with. Oh no, okay. No, no, it's right. It's just it's just a little fact checking. So somewhere, and I don't know where, somewhere I read that the church has three million followers at the moment. I can't remember whether that number came from the CCP or the church or somewhere else. I'd, I'd want to have some kind of number about how big that they actually are. I would say, I mean, churches tend to inflate numbers. I don't think we'll ever really know for sure. I suppose that's probably the, the nature census. of an underground church where they're uh, outlawed in a country that it's going to be hard to find out. They, they say that they're in 100 different countries, but um, yeah, they, they've never given numbers to us. 
According to the Wikipedia page, it, they, the government estimate is four million. Okay, but the uh, the general estimate is maybe as l- much less at one million. But that Wikipedia page has a certain feel to it of maybe having Apologies. been written by a church member. It's very apologetic, isn't it? Yeah, there, there's something about it that I'm. Does it have a banner at the top that says um, this feels like a biased article or whatever it says or not? No, it, it doesn't. Probably needs one. Oh, it came so, from BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed was the one that's where they got those numbers. Okay. Because <laughs> that was after um, the Israeli election scandal where they were, can't, for some reason, this Chinese, this Chinese sect decided to get involved. <laughs> it's a bit odd. Actually, the, the money numbers were another one where you found out how much they've been pulling in over the last few years from Charity's well, Register. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, the charities register. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and not a lot. Like we're talking about it, maybe. No. <laughs> like, but here's the thing. Now, the question has to be asked, you know, is that money all being is that all the money they get in New Zealand? Are they throwing some ca- some, some cash dollars under the table overseas? Um, is, yeah. that, is all their funds being sort of managed by a central membership bank account in the US? Don't know. Because all of the addresses that are both under the Charities Register and the Incorporated Societies Register, they're, they're just domestic homes. They're not offices. So what's the plan going forward now for, for you and for, for Daniel, you and Mark? Are you still interacting with them or how are you going to end? Yes. Dan, are you, are you in a meeting at, at the moment, actually? Because your meeting is 8 o'clock. Are you connected to it right now? No, I'll, I will join the 10 o'clock one instead. Okay. I All right. Well, I, I will. I'm going to see Daniel. Sorry, I'm going to see an old elderly woman in the ten o'clock <laughs> chat. Um, so that's in an hour's time for us. So we're still yeah. going. I think I'm still getting useful information. Like you know, part two is going to be a little bit more hard hitting than part one for my newsletter article. But basically, the thing about it not being deceit uh, is one: me going for um, preacher training. And getting hold of some of their training material is another part of it. Um, but I think there's more we can find out. So Dan suggested the other day that maybe I should push the preaching a little bit further and see if I can get into the preacher's chat. And as soon as I can do that, I should be able to scroll back through the history and, and grab a whole bunch of stuff. So maybe some chat about them using the admins to pad the oh, groups and getting members to go I back again. Mention is some of the spam stats, which I've collected um, with my investigation, a lot of these groups have the admin um, accounts that, that they use for padding. And so I've been tracing those accounts and tracked about 69 chat admins. Nice. And, and, and I found about 56 of their profiles were created last year. So there was just a big uptick of creating these accounts, which to me look very fake but still run by real people. There's definitely some patterns behind them, but they, it does seem like they are run by real people. They, they, they're full of friendly and happy looking photos and they allow commenting and there's, there's lots of different interactions and stuff. So they do seem to be real people and not bots. But how many of those accounts are then controlled just by the one person? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Um, so yeah, I, I guess these are just these are public church profiles, and then they have their own private Facebook account. Um, but the boring thing is, I found most of these profiles, ninety three percent were women, and I'm wondering if they use women profiles to attract 
members. <laughs> Middle-aged mm. white men who are just looking for a little bit of friendship, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I question it, maybe, maybe the religion tracks more women. But then I, I, I looked at the and all the people, not the admins, that are interacting, and their, their gender split was balanced. So it was actually probably more, slightly more men than women. So I found that, yeah, a little bit interesting. And then I looked at the admin, um, sorry, the page accounts. And I said before that I tracked about 100, 109 of them. About seven pages had been banned or hidden since me tracking them. So there has must have been some people reporting. And one of those pages had 29,000 likes. So there's some slight wins there. Um, mm. But yeah, there's definitely uh, yeah, a lot of counts that need to be reported. And eventually I'll get onto that and maybe see if I can contact Facebook or something and, and see if they, yeah, if they can delete these fake accounts. Sounds like a good project. It's an eye-opener. It's definitely mm. like, you know, you, you read about these things, and I've certainly joined a lot of religious groups to see what's going on, but it's not often you get to go this deep this quickly. Um, and it's really interesting to see how they operate. Not overly surprising in some ways, you know, the deception and the the faking things with uh, lots of accounts and weird stuff. That's not overly surprising, um, but it's kind of good to see it validated that this is how they're doing a lot of what they're doing. It, it's a lot of just, you know, faking being popular and being busy until mm. enough people turn up that they can then convert the fake aspect into actual real new followers. And there, there's a concern for me is the number of new followers we're seeing. And I think we were talking earlier about, you know, who are the types of people that fall for this? Who are the types of people that end up in this church without meaning to be rude to the people that we are in this group with? It feels like maybe we're, we're skewing low on the IQ level. Um, like the reading comprehension level is quite low. And I, I guess a lot of people who have a bit more now, maybe they spot it for being weird pretty quickly. And so what's left are the people who maybe are kind of disadvantaged as far as that's concerned and easier prey. And maybe, maybe mm -hmm. that's what the group are happy with. They're happy just taking people that don't ask questions. Cause I've certainly been given a list of people that I should not engage. They keep asking us to go out and convert people to talk to our family and friends. I keep being asked to try and convert my wife. But at the same time, there's a list of people you must not try to convert. Anybody with any experience with theology, anybody who <laughs> has a history in another church in a leadership role, anybody that has a degree and blah, 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 blah. Um, and then anybody under 16, which is a nice one. At least they've got some kind of moral center here. But yeah, a lot of it is basically do not engage people that might be able to out-argue you, but still let us know about them because we have an advanced group where we can handle those types of people. I don't know whether that group actually exists or whether that's a lie, but if it should does, we, should we try? I, I'd love to find it and I'd love to be in there because that would be quite a different experience, I think. So in your in your experience in the chats, are you seeing people who appear to be being indoctrinated, who, who appear to be just genuine people who are sort of being dragged into this? Yes. Yeah, definitely in the last week or so, we've now had two services, two fellowships where the 
Chinese and Taiwanese nationals who've been running it have handed over the reins to locals in New Zealand. So we've had a couple of them now where they're still in the group and they're still monitoring, but our Chinese overlords are just in the background. And um, we have Kiwis who are basically running the sermon. And so far, to an extent, it's a shit show, which is nice to have. Um, Nice to see that, you know, it's not going swimmingly. It was all over the show. Yeah, (laughs) the last one, they didn't know what they were doing. They... They were talk- they were talking about their leaders group and they were having um, problems copy and pasting from their document into the chat. Then one of them read the document out of order and uh, yeah, this uh, yeah, I said so. So Dan Dan was in the eight pm in my ten pm the other day. We had someone that was reading the words of God for of uh, the words of Almighty God for two minutes with their microphone muted. Um, so we just sat there for two minutes of silence. So, yeah, it, I mean, they're probably going to get better over time, but I really hope that, you know, this is this is going to fall apart, that people like for me, you know, I kind of enjoy in a weird, perverse way sitting in these fellowships, in these sermons. But for me, it's more painful and less interesting when it's not going very well. And even I want to quit now to an extent <laughs> because it's like I'm – I'm not even like coherently picking up what I'm supposed to be learning about the church here. It's really hard to be able to focus when it's just all over the place and learn what their key doctrines are. Yes. So, well, we will look forward to your uh, next newsletter article, which will reveal a lot more detail, I guess. Yeah. And, and maybe the end, maybe not. I mean, you know, it's tempting just to at least hang on tangentially until they realize what's going on and kick us out, but they might never do like most of the time. Groups don't bother Googling. The only thing I got from this church was they asked me what me being a skeptic meant. uh, And that was just such an easy one to dodge. By now, you know, I've got the answers ready to go. Um, Scientology didn't bother looking up my name. I mean, what were they doing? Like Scientology of all groups should know to do background research. L. Ron Hubbard was big on looking into people's backgrounds. And yet they didn't look for my name when I joined them. It's ridiculous. He'd be spinning in his grave. (laughs) So, yeah, so I, I, at first I was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen when they find out? And now I'm like, they're not even looking. They're not paying any attention. So mm. I think we can probably stay in as long as we want to and write articles about them. But there's going to be diminishing returns. As I said, there's a couple of things I'd like to get out of them. More about the deception and the tactics they use would be good. Yeah, I'd, I'd then- like to see if, if they actually pushing for people to create fake accounts and spam through their leadership groups. Yep. So I'll, I'll try to do that. It's just walking a fine line because I don't want to materially help them. And I've already been asked if I can proofread and fix up their training materials for level one, which I'm obviously not going to do, uh, but I've got to figure out a way of not doing it and still kind of becoming a part of this leadership group. Because um, yeah, if I can get into that chat and if I can see all the admins and leaders and you know their planning, I think that would be Pretty handy to have a copy of. Very good. So what's coming up on the calendar? This Friday, we have a, a regular Skeptics in the Pub meeting at 2 Gray Street inside the Intercontinental Hotel at 6 p.m. And then on our meetup page, we also have on Thursday, next Thursday, March 16th at 6.30 p.m., science-based healthcare activism in the pub at the Fork and Brewer. 
And next week on Saturday, not that I've managed to get a post out yet, because it turns out Matthew Willey, who runs Palmerston North Skeptics in the pub, is in the middle of the ocean in a yacht. But the plan is, because he should be back in Palmerston North by then, that Saturday the 18th from 5 p.m., we will have a Palmerston North Skeptics in the pub meeting, which will be just a few hours after I've had my colonic irrigation. So it could be interesting. So come come prepared with all your most awkward, intimate questions about Mark's internal operations. <laughs> and a packet of depends. <laughs> oh, what's that? Don't well, that's tell him that. leaking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, and and of course, uh, we will have an Auckland Skeptics in the pub on the first Tuesday in April. We just had our um our March one. So Oh yeah. So how was the March meeting? Was it good? <laughs> there were some interesting characters there <laughs> oh very diplomatic well done <laughs> yes indeed uh, um, but you know we had a good turnout we had a good turnout we had about a dozen people but uh some was a particular character who um started making some fairly racist comments which was uncomfortable unfortunately so yeah might have to have a word think you probably will do uncomfortable as that yep. is <laughs> yep so anyway yes our next our next meetup will be on tuesday the 4th of of april at the dyson fork which is a great venue. Uh, and just on behalf of Dunedin skeptics in the pub um t- march 9th if you're hit if you're able to listen to this in time they are having their uh, monthly skeptics in the pub 6 p.m at umbrellos kitchen and bar but if you can't make it this month they're going to be doing it again. Same bat time, same bat channel on April the 13th. Anything else you want to say? We got Daniel. our submission in for the um, for the therapeutic products bill. Oh, yeah, and we did. I've had, and- a, I've had an email back from them saying, yes, you said you wanted to make an oral submission. And so here's all the dates and stuff. So I need to forward that on to you, Bronwyn, I believe, because weren't you going to stand up and make an oral submission for the skeptics? Uh, I think it was by attrition of the rest of the committee that I was the last man standing of sorts. I'm I'm planning to be there as well. It's just juggling that and the science-based healthcare submission, which I also had a hand in. So um, it's trying to figure out how to do both. What I probably should have done, because I've just shaved my big unwieldy beard off i should have kept the beard on for the first submission shaved off for the second one and looked like a different mark honeychurch but i'm really missed a yes. trick there mm-hmm. so craig yes, when do. are the oral submissions happening are they soon or have we got a while yet uh let me just look for that email um so they're starting on friday the 17th of march oh wow soon uh, have yes, they contacted you and given you a date and time no, we, we, he's been asked for dates, he said, so we just yeah, got to Yeah, so we just one. have to get back to them. So, yes, the first one's on Friday, uh, 17th of March. Then the, they're on the 21st, 22nd, 23rd, and 24th of March. So basically uh, a week um, of, of submissions. Um, and they're, they're allocating um, 8.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. for basically three days of one week and then 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. for two days of another week. So that's a hell of a lot of submission time. For, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Just for, well, forward that email so I can see how it fits in within my calendar because I'm the person who's going to be doing the talking. Indeed. Oh, am I not? Are you Are you just doing it solo now? I don't know. Are we? we then we both this have is, to coordinate our calendars, Mark. This is news anyway, to we'll, me. Anyway, we'll take this offline. <laughs> 
our listeners don't need to hear this, and I don't need to spend time editing it. Um, but any of our listeners that are doing an oral submission, um, good luck and Godspeed. And it's it's a fun thing to do. Um, I wonder if anybody actually ticked that box. But yeah, don't don't be too worried about it. Just tell them what you think. Kind of speak in a way that's complementary to your submission and not just rereading it. And um, just be prepared to be asked a couple of questions. Because hmm. we know that there'll be plenty of people from the other side who want to put their two cents in. Yeah, when it came to the conversion therapies bill, Bronwyn and I um, listened to a few before us, and there were a couple of nicely informed ones, and then some weird-ass ranting from religious groups that was a bit uncomfortable to have to listen to. No doubt there will be some highlights that are quite entertaining, but uh, yes, we'll 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 uh, try and curate those and uh, see what we can come up with. Anyway. Thank you. Um, thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you very much, Daniel, for your insight on the uh, Eastern Lightning cult. No uh, problem. Interesting to see how it's all going to turn out. So you have been listening to the ENR podcast. If you'd like to give us some feedback, you can send us an email to newsletter at skeptics.nz. We'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Adios. Bye.